0: Unexpected things. It is unexpected that I would be here today preaching the word, right? Usually would be our pastor, Mitch Mayer. But as you very well know, once again, something unexpected has happened to our dear pastor and his family. And for that, we need to be praying constantly for Molly, for our pastor, Mitch, Tara, and the family. It is unexpected to us. It is unexpected to the family. But the Lord knows exactly what he's doing. And in that we rest. In our sovereign grace and in his doing among each and every one of us. So we covet the prayers, your prayers, for our dear pastor and his family. In the healing process of Molly Mayer. Unexpected. It was expected that the Lord Jesus Christ would go and talk to someone in John 3. Because it's a, name, a, guy, a guy by the name of Nicodemus. He is in Jerusalem. He comes by night. It's sort of a planned visit. It's deeply theological. And it's among two Jewish people consider rabbis are really important, of great standing before the Jewish community. But it is unexpected that the Lord would take initiative in chapter 4 and go to Samaria, a place that was not considered very um, in high regard by the Jewish community. It's about the middle of the day. It's not the night. But it's also a planned visit by the Lord. It is very practical. It's not theological. And in this case, it's not Nicodemus who goes to Jesus. It's Jesus who is looking for a woman to bring others as well to himself. She's not a Jewish. She's not, she is a Samaritan, meaning a mixed blood A despised woman, not a respected ruler, but somebody that probably was of immoral background. While Nicodemus was a male, she was a female. And according to the Jewish traditions, especially the Pharisees, she was not even deemed to hear the word of the Lord. At least not from a rabbi directly. While the attitude of Nicodemus is very polite, and he calls Jesus rabbi, the dialogue with her is, first, is a little bit hostile. Although later on, she comes to respect the Lord and Messiah. The result, we, never, we don't know what happened to, to Nicodemus towards the end of chapter 3. It, the Bible doesn't say that. If you believed or not at that point. But with a woman, the Samaritan woman, she converts into a disciple of the Lord. She witnesses to those that are around her. And many people come to believe in the Lord as the Messiah. So what is that we're supposed to do about this situation? Well, we are about to start Awaking 2023. And in Awaken, as you remember, we are thinking, we're praying, we are trying to identify, in this case, seven people that we will be praying, fasting, and seeking for opportunities to present the gospel with them. And whereas a year ago, what we did was pray for different people from all over Houston, all over uh, Katy, and the Houston area, was Houston. In this case, we will be praying for people that we want to be in contact with, and that we probably have them as our neighbors, and it's really important that we begin to pray. But you know, our pastor wanted to preach today about identifying, first to identify, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about how the Lord Jesus Christ identified a group, specifically a woman, and through that, he was thinking of a specific group of people to bring them the salvation. And at the end, they recognized him as the Savior of the world. Wouldn't that be amazing? This is the phrase that, the, that Pastor Mitch wanted uh, to preach this morning to us. Start identifying the top seven we each will be praying, fasting, reaching for. If God would so move, I'd love to see this and that and this and that person following Jesus, connected to the family of Jesus, and leaving for the Lord. Wouldn't that be awesome that your neighbors, that the people that you work with that probably have been very antagonistic to the Lord Jesus Christ, now because of prayer, because of fasting, and because of our initiative, to share the gospel with them, would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and would choose to follow him not only throughout the rest of this life but into eternity. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, that is exactly what we want to do today. We want to identify, we want to prayerfully identify seven people or seven families that are already in our midst so that we could reach them for the Lord with the love of our Lord and the message of salvation Heavenly Father we are here this morning and we join together in prayer for our mayor family our pastoral family Lord we don't understand why these things happen and we want to tell you that we trust you completely We pray for the healing that you have done already on Tara back in 2017, on our own pastor two years ago. And now we pray for this dear girl, that you would do your mighty work in her. You can do it. We have no doubt. Father, even as we're speaking, you could even touch her. Her body and heal her completely that's a kind of God and the kind of power that you have yet we don't know what you are going to do and in that we choose Lord to trust in you we pray that you would strengthen them today that you would be ever closer to them and we pray that you would help us to lift up our eyes and identify those that are around us. Pray for them fast on their behalf and seek for opportunities to present the gospel to them. Give us that strength. Give us that boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. As you very well know, and this is a story that Everybody knows. The Lord Jesus Christ says in John four, verse seven. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink." Now you very well know what's going on. The Lord is been talking to Nicodemus in Jerusalem, chapter three. Then he goes, he moves out. Um, to another part where John used to be baptizing. He used to be baptizing in a certain area of Judea, specifically, uh, probably. If we have, I don't know if we have the map. Maybe not, but it's all right. Oh yes, we do. I I don't see it there. That's the reason. So if you could see, there's the Dead Sea. This is the one at the bottom, and Jerusalem. You can see where it is located. If you go straight, a li- straight line to the right, you're gonna see the tip where the Dead Sea and the um, and the river intersect. That's precisely the area where we believe the Lord is now, and He's baptizing. Well, He is not baptizing anybody. Are the disciples are the ones that are baptizing, and He's in that area. The Bible says when. All of a sudden, it says in one. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar. Now, you know the story very well. And you understand that from Jerusalem all the way to Galilee is a straight line all the way north. But because there was a lot of dissension and animosity between the Jewish people and the Samaritans for more than 400 years, what they would do, they would traditionally go to the right across the Jordan River, go up north, then cross again, And then continue their way unto Galilee. It makes no sense. Well, it makes no sense a lot of things that we do. We avoid people that we should be in contact with. And yet we avoid them because we don't want to ask forgiveness or we don't want them to ask forgiveness to us. We love resentment. No, no, no. I'm not a resentful person, Antonio. I just have a really good memory. That's what I always say to people. No, I'm not resentful. I just have a really good memory. Well, that, that my friends may be called resentment. And it's because of this resentment that for 400 years, instead of going straight up, they would take a different route and avoid being in contact with Samaritans. So what the story is helping us to see is that the Lord Jesus Christ is saying specifically in this verse, that he needed, he had to go to Galilee through Samaria. Verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. If you would ask a Jew in the time of Jesus' time, would he have to go through Samaria? 100% of all the Jewish people would have said, no, he doesn't. Absolutely not. We'd rather go all the way to the right, go north, and then jump again and avoid those people. But the Lord had identified a specific person. We know he had to go there. Not because it was a shorter route. But he had to go there because there was a woman there that needed to hear the message That Messiah had finally come. So Jesus goes to a specific area. Thank you. um, Hopefully you have um, an outline of what we are talking right now. Now this, many people tell me, well, thank you so much for the outline. Well, this is more, not so much for you as for me. So that I would stay in course. Because otherwise we would start in Genesis and I would end up in Revelation. And I don't want to do that. So, Jesus identifies a specific person. And our pastor wanted us to begin to identify the the top seven that we will be praying throughout the month of February. And that we'll be seeking opportunities to present the gospel to them. Just as Jesus is identifying a specific person in this case, he goes to a specific area, Samaria. We tell that in verse 4. Then we understand that Jesus encounters a woman, but this woman has a past. Jesus encounters a woman with a past. Take a look at verse 7. He said, there came a woman of Samaria who drew water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? Woman, for Jews. Now, this is obviously a parenthetical clause. Uh, it's, it's a side note. This is not the Samaritan woman saying, "How come you a Jew?" Oh, because the Samaritans and that. No, she. We know that this is John who is explaining to us that there's animosity between these two groups. Oh Lord, help us to bring down certain barriers that are preventing us from going, reaching out to our neighbors. And because they don't speak the same language that I do, or because they don't look like I do, or because they eat funny food. Help us to bring, bring down those barriers so that we could also go and present the gospel to people that don't look like us. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you this living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Traditionally, what happened is they would would, uh, travel with a bag made out of uh, skin... And they would throw that into any well and then draw the water out. So she's asking, well, I don't see that you have anything to draw the water with. How come you are going to give me this kind of water that you're saying if you don't even have how to draw water from this well? You are no greater than our father Jacob, are you? you? Who gave us the well and drank it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to her, Sir, give me the water, so I will, be, I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Up to that point, what is going on is just a casual um, conversation between the two strangers. Jesus goes to a specific area, but the Lord says, and the Bible says in verse 4, that he had to pass through that place. He encounters a woman, but this woman is very different than Nicodemus. She doesn't have a good reputation. She doesn't have a good standing to the point that she chooses to go by herself to draw water. When usually in that time, women would go in groups, but she chooses to go in the heat of the day. When probably it's, it's the hottest in the day. Because probably nobody else wants to join in with her out of fear of being identified or related to a sinful woman. She goes by herself and encounters this. He goes by himself. She's alone, but this woman has a past. My dear brothers and sisters, don't we all have a past? We are very quick to get a stone and throw it in somebody else's face. But, oh, Lord, give us the compassion to see others. As people in need of salvation. I have, a, I have one of my neighbors. That he has a really interesting situation going on right now. He bought a dog. And he faithfully, about 6 or 7 in the morning, he goes out. And walks that dog. And I'm glad for him and for the dog. I mean, it looks like they're bonding really well. The problem is that he leaves presents all over the grass. And you know, my problem is that when I see that neighbor, I want to I wanna yell at him. I want to tell him a couple of things. I want to grab a little bag and say, Hey, go, pick up the gifts that your doggie is Living all over the neighborhood. You know, what I, you know what? And I confess this. That I have not think of him. As somebody that needs salvation. As somebody that I need to make. Every purpose. Every intention. To share the gospel of the Lord. To show the love of Jesus Christ. So that then we could build a bridge. And he finally would hear from my lips that their salvation in Jesus Christ. And I would venture to say that in a group like this, there's a lot of us that might feel that way or might act that way. We have failed to see people as, as recipients in need of the Lord and salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ has to cross some boundaries and to reach out to her. Some of those boundaries you know very well, Number one is the gender boundary. Back then, a rabbi, according to the, to the Pharisees, a rabbi couldn't even be out in the street, be talking to a woman. You know, sometimes they, don't even, they didn't even talk to their wives, their spouses in the street, or their sisters. Because they didn't want to, they were so afraid of their what if. Or the opinions of others regarding their, santic, their holiness and sanctification process. So Jesus has to cross that boundary. Number one, the, the gender boundary, the social boundary. One was a Jew, the other one was a Samaritan. And they had no dealings in between. But the Lord, he didn't care about that. He saw somebody that needed salvation but also that was going to share the gospel with other people. The geopolitical, one was from Jerusalem or Nazareth, depending, and the other one was from Sikar, from the area of the Samaritans, the religious boundary, the religious barrier. One was a Jewish, and the other one was a Samaritan. So many barriers that the Lord had to cross to be able to talk to a woman And in Jesus' time, this would have been completely out of the question. He's a rabbi that shouldn't even be talking to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman with a past. Jesus taught her about the true worshipers. Take a look at verse 19 through 24. This is what the Lord says in in the Bible. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I love that. Because when it talks about truth and spirit, there's two things that we need to understand. First of all, is the right information, the truth. But then there's also the right relationship, the spirit. There's a lot of people that have a religion. And they might be very religious. And they might, they might be very faithful to what they, are, they believe. But that doesn't mean that they have the right information. And therefore, they don't have the right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I grew up in a very traditional home not a Christian home but we were very devout we would go every single sunday my grandma because there were four masses on sunday before noon and she would go to the 5:30 a.m. on sunday i was like man 5:30 i i need god but not that much so but she would go at 5:30 in the morning and she would go and then by the time that she come back she already bring tamales or something to the house. Mm-mm-mm. And then my brother and I will get up and go to the 8 o'clock. Come back by 10. And then we would have breakfast with all the family. But see, the situation was that even though we were very religious and we were very devout, I wanted to become a priest because I wanted to be saved through religious situations, through rites. And stuff I had a lot of information but it didn't mean that was the right information spirit and truth are important because this, the truth is going to take us, It's going to lead us into a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and by believing in him his death, his resurrection then by that we are saved. That is the right information, and the Lord knows that this woman has a lot of information, but is not the truth. A lot of our neighbors have a lot of information, especially if they are religious. Many people believe of Jesus being a prophet, but that doesn't mean that they have the right information. They need to trust Him as their personal Savior, the one who died in the cross for their, in their place, for their sins. To things that we need to share with people nowadays, and I'm afraid many people have forgotten, is that we are sinners. We need salvation because we are sinners. We have offended a perfect God, a godly God. And because of it, we need to come to terms and accept that we have sinned against a perfect Lord, a perfect God. But for that, we need a substitution. Substitution. Somebody who died in my place for my sins. I cannot be good enough ever to attain salvation by my own means. That is the news that we need to share with people. That there is sin. Sin to be dealt with. And with one sin, Adam was completely separated from the Lord. Just one sin. How many times have you sinned? Today. This week. I imagine, because we don't bet, right? We're Baptist. I imagine that more than once. And because of that, we are separated. That is the truth. That there's a loving God that had created a pathway for us to be saved. But that means right information in order to have the right relationship through the Spirit of the Lord. And the Lord is seeking Worshippers, I love what John Piper says in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Evangelism exists because worship doesn't. Let me say that again. Evangelism exists because worship doesn't. When somebody worships something that is not God, God God doesn't have to listen. Therefore, God is not worshiped by people that don't know him. Antonio, you're exaggerating. That's what I see here. It's the father who is seeking worshipers. Now, sometimes the worshipers put a lot of excuses not to worship the father. I don't like that song. That's too upbeat. I'm glad that you didn't like that song. It wasn't meant for you. It is meant for the Lord who deserves all worship. Sometimes we are like, oh, no, no, I, I'm not going to raise my hands. Because I don't want to disturb anybody around me. Oh, my brother. Oh, my sister. If you would understand that David understood this. He didn't mind to look like a fool. Dancing before the ark. Of the covenant Michal, his wife, is the one that said, Oh my word, look at the king, he's making a fool of himself. And the one that worshiped and adored was David, and the one that was reprimanded by the Lord was his wife. Worship. If we would truly understand what worshiping the Lord means, that even if I have to look like a fool before the Lord, I would do it because he deserves That I would worship him with every fiber of myself. Oh, Lord, help us. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I have the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to say. Well, it's down, down down God was looking for you and for me so that we could worship him the way he should be worshipped we shouldn't wait until revelation until we are in the new Jerusalem to worship him the way he deserves we should worship Him? we should be prostrated before the Lord he deserves that don't we understand That he deserves our worship and true and in spirit. Jesus is teaching her about the true worshipers. That the father is looking for. And finally, she's like, well, when Messiah comes, he will explain to us all those things. He will make clear all of that. I love it because look at verse 26. Jesus said to her, Ego Amy, in Greek. What is interesting is that in Greek, Ego Amy, when you translate it in Hebrew, is Yahweh. Ego Amy. I am. Says here, I am he, the one that is speaking to you. This is probably the most the clearest of all the times that the Lord said that he was Messiah. If you remember when he's being judged, they said, You are you the king of the Jews? And what he says is, It is you who is saying that. Remember, but in this case, he is saying, I am he, I am the Messiah. And what she says is, he leaves, what, what was the reason that she went to the well? She went for water. But he found something much more interesting, much more important than water. She leaves the, the little jug right there and goes running to the town. Because when you find the Lord, when you find Messiah, a, defi- a disciple identifies others and brings them to Jesus. The woman tells others about Messiah. What is interesting is that the lord's the the word says that she goes back right and and he he finds the the man right it says in in verse twenty eight so so the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, "Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done a couple of things that call my attention there is number one she doesn't go to the woman she goes to the men if you remember the story I, I, you know because we have a lot to cover I chose to leave the part behind where she has a past the Lord is trying to, to move the conversation into a spiritual direction and because of it it says go call your husband and he said, well I don't have a husband and the Lord says to her, you're right. You have spoken truth. Because you have, you have had five husbands. And the one that you, have, you are living with right now, it is not your husband. You know about this woman, what strikes me is the following. She had five guys that didn't believe Does she amount to anything? But the reason why the Lord traveled for a couple of days, between 35 to 55 miles, depending where he was located, this woman wasn't important enough for five men who ended up divorcing her. Remember, back then women couldn't divorce their husbands. It was only the men who could initiate the divorce. So five guys divorced her. And leave her for nothing and leave her with nothing. This woman wasn't important enough for the new partner that she was living with. He didn't even want to marry her. He only wanted to use her. But she was worth enough so that the Lord of the universe, the incarnate second person of the Trinity, would come down from heaven... You see, this conversation or this traveling from the Lord didn't start it back in Judea. This started back in heaven when he decided to come down, born of the Virgin Mary, and for 33 years walk in dirty roads, hear dirty mouths, be with people all around, sinful people. And finally... Then he took that travel for 35 miles to be with her, to talk to her. That's how much this woman was worth to the Savior of the world. That's why love the Lord. That's why you should love the Lord because you were important enough for Him to come down from heaven, to get up from the throne, to come down here. So that you could find him. In the same way. If he is willing to get up. Come from heaven. And walk 35 miles. My prayer for us. Is that we would take a piece of paper. That we would write seven names of people or families, neighbors, and that we would write down those names so that we could also take the message of salvation to our neighbors that are in need of salvation. We will walk around the block and pray to identify those people that need the Lord. In the same way, Jesus sees us worthy. You, our neighbors. Now we want to walk around the block, and we need to walk across the street to present the gospel of salvation to them. What does she do? She goes out. Why? Because she's bringing now, people, this man that she went to. And she goes to the man, because probably the woman and I don't want to listen to her, and says to them, hey, I found Messiah. Would this guy be the Messiah? And they're intrigued by that. You know, that's a really interesting thing. She's not saying. She's just causing them to have questions. So then they would seek for themselves the Lord Jesus Christ. The woman goes and tells others about this Messiah in verse 28. Come and see, it says in 29, a man who told me all the things that I have done. Is this not the Christ? Then went out to the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him and saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is, not, is, is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplished His work. Do you not say there's yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Lift up our eyes, all my dear brothers and sisters. Lift up our eyes. What it means to us as Redeemer Community Church is identifying those people that we're going to be praying for, fasting for, and have the initiative to share the gospel of salvation with. Lift up your eyes, and probably they're looking at him, as he's all of a sudden say, "Lift up, lift up your eyes, and behold who's coming." All those people that that woman was bringing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lift up your eyes and see that neighbor that seems like he has all of it together, but in reality, everything is a facade. He's dying with debt up to their teeth. That woman that probably is going out with the Gucci shoes and the Louis Vuitton purse, she's hiding all that because inside of her, she's dying of loneliness. Those kids and my brothers and sisters, I'm tired of hearing of young kids committing suicide. This week, another kid committed suicide in, not far from here in one of the high schools. So far, it's been seven in the last three months. When are we going to do something about it to tell them that there's hope and salvation in Jesus Christ? We need to lift up our eyes and see that there's a dying world. And it needs the, the answer of the Lord, the salvation in Jesus Christ. Look up. Someone is ready. What is amazing is that the Lord is prioritizing others. Jesus prioritized others above his own physical needs. The the disciples are coming and saying, Eat, Lord, eat, please, eat. You were tired. That's why you stayed in the well, in the wall, right? But at this point, he uses that to say, There's something more important than food. We need to take priority, my brothers and sisters. We need to prioritize salvation of other people. Jesus prioritized prioritized others' spiritual needs. You know, I I get tired. I get really tired sometimes, and I go to my house, and what is amazing is now I have this little thing inside my cart, that I don't even need the transponder anymore. Uh, it's synchronized now. there's a little button inside my car. And when I arrive in the driveway and I, I click it, the garage door mm, it opens. And you know what that means. I don't have to talk to anyone because I'm tired. And because I have a lot of things to do, I'm busy. Sometimes we just need to park as far as we can from our driveway. So that we could walk around and see who of our neighbors are outside walking their dogs and leaving us their gifts. And not talk about the gift that they're leaving us. But talk about the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. But for that, we need to prioritize like Jesus did. We need to prioritize their spiritual needs instead of resting, instead of food, instead of sports, etc. A follower of Jesus catches the vision. Look up. Someone is ready. The harvest. And the harvest is coming. Look up means that we need to identify people that we're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. Therefore, let's get busy. There's lots to do, and there's a reward. We need to begin identifying the top seven we each will be praying, fasting, and reaching for. If God would so move, I'd love to see Brenda, Ramadan, Sharia. Those are actually names of my neighbors. Following Jesus, connected to the family of Jesus, and leaving for the Lord as application. Three applications today. I want to share this with you. Let's begin praying for our top seven by name. You know, we could say, yeah, the African-American family that is over there, the Asian family that is over there, the Indian family that is over there. But what if we would begin to pray by name for our neighbors. Number 2, take prayer walks around the neighborhood. As you're walking your dog, if you have one, or if you go around, just take a prayer walk around the neighbor praying Ephesians 6:19. Lord, give me the words to open my mouth boldly and proclaim the gospel. In Ephesians 6 Paul is asking the brethren in Ephesus to pray for him that he would have the boldness to proclaim the Lord anywhere he goes. And I would say, let's pray the same that we would, that we would have words to open our mouths boldly and proclaim the gospel. Praying for, and finally, seek them on purpose. Jesus asked for water, then ask a favor from your neighbors. Not because you need to, but because you need to establish a connection with them. Seek them on purpose and with a purpose. Heavenly Father, we confess today that we have been very self-centered, that we worry too much about what others might think about me and my family. I confess, Lord, that I treasure more my rest and my anonymity in the neighborhood. But I pray that according to Ephesians 6.19, that you would fill me with boldness to share the gospel of Christ. To identify those who are around me by name and seek for opportunities to share the gospel with them. And I pray that you would do all of this in Redeemer Community Church for your honor. For your glory, for the advance of your kingdom. For in Jesus' name we pray.